The following audio is from Lifehouse Church. We hope you are blessed by this message and encourage you to connect with us on social media or lifehousechurch.org. If you know what that is, then you're probably a hunter. If you don't know what that is, or what this is, it is a grunt call that hunters use to call in a white-tailed buck. Alright, so this, this time of year, the bucks are in rut, and I was going to try to think of how to discreetly explain what that means. <laughs> parents, you can talk to your kids about this. All of our campuses, good luck parents. Basically, the bucks are really excited to spend time with the female deer. And as a result, they become senseless. I mean, they lose their minds. And uh, I mean, they don't necessarily always come running, but they're likely to come running when they hear <coughs> And so I, I wonder what your <coughs> is. Because there's a hunter sitting in a tree stand waiting to pick them off. Like this sound <coughs> sounds like all kinds of fun. And the buck thinks he's ready for a party. But he's likely to get an arrow or a bullet. In uh, the trilogy, Lord of the Rings, in the Fellowship of the Ring, uh, Frodo has this, well, ring. And the Black Knights, I think that's what they're called, the Black Riders, uh, they fear that the Black Riders are out to get him, and these are really scary creatures. And uh, Frodo and Argon are hiding and running to escape the attack of the Black Riders. And you can see that Frodo is pretty upset. And, and so Argon says to him, are you afraid? And Frodo kind of shakes and says, well, yes. And he looks him, look, looks him dead in the eye. He goes, not nearly enough. I know what hunts you. And so... Do you know what's hunting you? Are you aware of... You, you know I just want to keep doing that. <laughs> At this point, the bucks would be running away. <laughs> Something's clearly wrong with that doe. All right. Um, actually, it's just a grunt, so male or female can be making that sound. All right, so here's the deal. Do you know the sound of what's hunting you? Do you know that you have good reason to be very afraid. Look, we all, we all have been embarrassed. Every one of us have been humiliated. Every one of us have responded to the grunt call and taken our arrows. You too, and your spouse, and your kids, and your mom and dad. Somehow we are hardwired, almost instinctively, to go after the call. And when it calls, we just don't resist. And we go in, and then we get the arrow. And we go, that was a bad call. And we live in a culture 
that tells us if it feels good, it is good for you. And so we've been encouraged to pursue all of our desires. If you hear the call, you're like, that must be good for me. And we go chasing after it. We live in a culture and an environment that tells us no matter what you feel, give in. If it feels good, do it. And then after we do what feels good and discover that it's not good for us and it, caught, it puts an arrow in us, it, we, we hurt someone else or we get hurt in the process, we indulged, we reacted, we overreacted. We gave in to our anger and said or did some things we regret. We saw or did or gave in to things that we knew were wrong. Then we flip the switch and we go, wait, that's not who I am. I don't even know what that was inside of me. See, the moment that our desires get us into trouble, then we disassociate from those desires and we claim that that's not who we really are and we try to do our best to not take responsibility for the very desires that our culture told us was good and you should give in to it. Do you see the tension? Oh yeah, do whatever feels good. And then when what feels good isn't good, well, that's not who I really am. I mean, that's not really me. You don't know that. You don't really know me. Because the, the real me is good, and I don't, I don't do those kind of things. So, so what are we really up against? Like, if, if the real... One more time. <laughs> uh, what are we really up against? So, so I'm talking about, do you know what's hunting you? Are you afraid? Not nearly enough. I know what's hunting you. So I'm going I'm to walk you through what's calling you and why you want to give in, why you want to respond to the call. Ready? Here we go. I'm going to walk through it pretty quickly. So uh, if you're taking notes, pull out your smartphone, tablet. We're going to go quick here. All right. Um, the first thing, and this is, the, this is the really like the one that you're all like, oh, this is scary. Um, there is a, we'll call him the devil. All right. In the Bible, there's a couple different terms for him, but we'll just go with the devil, or Satan. He's the real, intelligent evil and the source of evil who is strategizing against all that is good and God. He, he's the one that, it, it, he's an eternal being, a created being, an eternal being that is at war against God and all that is good. Now, be careful not to give into the thinking that it's kind of like the yin and the yang, like, like um, he kind of counterbalances God, that, that he's, you know, there's a little bit of good in, in the devil and there's a little bit of bad in God. No, 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 this isn't the yin and the yang. He's all evil, all bad, with the only intention to destroy God and all that is good. And he's out to get you. Okay. Now you feel better? All right. Um, and by the way, not only him, but he would, he would be the leader of the kingdom of darkness and all the demons. So we believe that there are real spiritual beings, demons, that are, um, that are invisible but at work to terrorize, oppress people, and possess people. To wreak havoc in the world we live in. Okay, so we'll put that aside. That could be a whole sermon in itself. Second, we live in the world. Now, for the sake of this conversation, this teaching, I'm going to say the world is the system we live in that is broken and corrupted and bent toward evil. If you didn't know this, the world is not in there innately good. It is actually innately bad, and it's headed 
toward worse. It's getting worse. It's not getting better, okay? Which means we live in a broken system. Everything about the world we live in, the, the environment, politics, the economy, the earth itself, and the, the communities that we live in are innately broken, which means we have systems that are broken and bent toward wrong, which means the world we live in is constantly pulling you toward giving into desires that are broken and wrong. All right. Then the third thing, it's kind of like an evil little group here, all right, is something that lives inside of you and me. Every one of us have our own enemy built in. Yay, doesn't that feel good? Okay, so let me explain. The, the uh, enemy built into you, let's call that the flesh. The, I use that term because that's what biblical authors refer to. But you, another term you could use is just like your sin instinct. You could refer to it as your desires, but the, when I'm talking about the flesh, I'm talking about the spiritual, the invisible part of you that pushes away from God, resists God's best, believing that your desires are best. And so when we push away from God's best and do what we want, we are giving into our flesh, our sin desires, anything that goes against God, contrary to God, that wants to have its own way and do what it wants, believing that if it feels good, it is good, that's sin. All right, not just that you do sin, but that you have a sin instinct or a sin nature. Okay, so you got the devil, you got the world, and you got the flesh. And they work together to basically destroy us. The enemy's goal, the world's goal, sin's goal inside of you is to wreck your life, destroy your life, and destroy everything good about your life, and lead your life toward not just death, but ultimate death in eternal judgment. That's the bad news. And so what do we do about that? Well, Jesus was talking to a crowd of people, very aware that they were being beat up, oppressed by the devil, that they lived in a broken, corrupted world. He's talking to a Jewish people who were being oppressed by the Roman Empire. They were the demons in politics, but they had much deeper demons living inside of them, not only their hate and their anger, but even spiritual forces that were at work. And they were giving in to their own sin desires to resist God and do what they wanted. And so Jesus taught them to pray. Maybe prayer is the antidote to the battle we're up against that's destroying us. And so I wanna read this prayer with you. It reads this way. This then, Jesus is teaching his followers, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation. So I'm going to have you say this line with me again. Ready? So I'm going to say, lead us not into temptation. And then you're going to say it. Ready? Lead us not into temptation. All right. Hey, I don't know that all of you at our campuses, Chambersburg, I'm, I'm listening. Cinemas? Wilson, all right, so you're going to say this with me again. Ready? Lead us not into temptation. Okay. So Jesus is not saying that God leads us into temptation. He's saying that when you pray, you're saying, Heavenly Father, my instinct is to be led into temptation. The world around me is baiting me into temptation. And there is an enemy that is dangling a hook to drag me to my death. 
So when he's teaching us to pray, what he's really saying is this, uh, meaning if I were to put it into a modern context, what he's saying is, Heavenly Father, I'm bent toward temptation. The world around me is going to tempt me, and there is an enemy out to destroy me. Would you rescue me from myself and the world and the devil who's plotting against me? So let's put that in perspective. That's right. There is a world you live in that's calling you. And our sin nature responds. It's like, it's like we're going along. We're, we're, we're just do, going about our business. We hear it, and our sin nature goes, I want that. And the world is constantly grunt calling. And the enemy is the one that's motivating. He's the one that's motivating them to make the call. He's the one that's put the bait on the hook. And then we, we go after the bait. We find the bait, and we bite the bait, and then it drags us to our own ruin. So Jesus, when he teaches us to pray, is saying, when you pray, you're, you're crying out to God the Father, rescue me from myself and the world I live in and the devil who's plotting against me to destroy me. Lead us not into temptation. And so I want to give you a really practical way. If at the very least you're like, yeah, me too, I'm aware that I have a bent toward doing things that humiliate and embarrass and wreck me and it hurts others, then how do you get out of that? Well, I want to give you um, some, some thoughts. I want to give you some principles. Go ahead and write this one down. Follow the heavenly father, right? So if he says, lead us not in tempta- to, into temptation, then the flip of that would be, God, I need to follow you. Don't lead me that direction. I need to follow your way. And when you begin to follow the Father, here's what you're going to quickly discover. God fights for those who follow him. This is a part A and part B. Follow your heavenly Father who fights for those who follow him. Do you get that? It's like God becomes a shield to those who put themselves under his care. And so what Jesus is teaching us is that we need to follow the heavenly father. And when we follow him, he fights for those who are following him. So so let's unpack this a little bit. The bait gets dangled. It catches my attention because of my own instinct of sin. I bite. And the moment I bite... I just switched metaphors. I know. I went from hunting to fishing, but work with me here. Um, and, and then you bite, and the hook sets, and it drags you to your ruin. Not just physical ruin, not just ruining your marriage, not just ruining your finances, not just wrecking um, your career. I mean, destroying you forever, eternal destruction. And you might have not given in recently. And maybe you've been able to resist for a while, but you know some point, the right, call, the right bait's going to get set. And, you're gonna, and the Lord's going to catch you out of your eye, and you're going to start swimming. The enemy's good enough that he doesn't miss anyone. Not anyone is spared. We are all human. We are all sinful. We all have a propensity towards sin, and we all have been hooked. And not just hooked, we've all been dragged to our destruction. This is why Jesus came, not just to teach us how to pray, but to be the one who delivers us from evil, who who actually not just 
is the one that keeps us from being led into temptation, but he steps in and has rescued us from the destruction that our temptation has brought us. How did, how did Jesus do that? He, stepped, he came from heaven to earth in order to take not just the hook, right? He, he allowed the punishment of sin to set into his life. Jesus went to the cross basically to take not basically, to actually take our death on himself. So when Jesus died, he died once for all. Not just a physical death, but a forever judgment. Our eternal death sentence. The death sentence we took when we responded to the bait and we bit. That death sentence. And Jesus brought it on himself. He took on our eternal punishment. So when he died, he died once for all. So that anyone who believes in Jesus by faith is forgiven of their sins. Jesus not only died, but he rose from the dead. And in his resurrection, listen to me carefully. In his resurrection, the hook pulled out. The destruction that we were aiming for destroyed. The eternal death sentence you and I deserve is removed. We're pardoned from it. It was paid in full by Jesus. And he equips us, he, he, so he forgives us, and in his life, he gives us the power to resist the grunt call, to resist when we see the lure. And so I want to talk to you. First, do not do this on your own. Don't just say, oh, I'm going to resist the grunt call. No, you won't. No one has. No one ever will. They'll, we'll follow it every single time. The only way to not give in to the grunt call is if you are following the Father God. You, you're, if you're on your own, you're going to find the grunt call. Only when you're following the Father are you going to not be constantly led into temptation. So now I want to go back and I want to unpack this for you. I want to make this really practical, hopefully practical. Give you two kind of complementary ideas on how we can apply this prayer of Jesus, right? So he teaches us to pray, but when we pray it, there's practical steps that follow, right? Part of the thing you've noticed throughout the Lord's Prayer is that we become part of the answer to the prayer we prayed. Lead us not into temptation. Well, I can't just say, Father, don't lead me into temptation, and then immediately go out and pursue temptation, Right? I, when I pray this, become part of the answer to the prayer. So when I pray, lead us not into temptation, what, what am I saying here? What, I, what I'm saying is the, the practical application is that we need to follow God's lead by allowing his desires to become our desires. Would you take a moment, write that down? If I'm saying, Father, do not lead me into temptation, what I'm saying is, God, I want to follow you until your desires become my desires. In this prayer, you could, you could read it this way. Father, don't lead me in, don't allow my own desires and the world I live in to pull me into a trap of temptation that will destroy me. I need you to rescue me because on my own, I'll wreck myself. And so how does this work? Well, the only way that's going to work is if my desires become what God desires. So there, there has to be a prayer element. God, I need what you want to become what I want. Don't, don't, go, don't do the reverse. God, I want you to want what I want. 
That's how most of us pray. Would you give me what I want? What we really need to pray is, God, would you help me to want what you want? Well, how does that happen? When you believe in Jesus by faith, God's spirit comes into your spirit. His eternal invisible being comes into our eternal invisible being. And when God's spirit enters into our spirit, he transforms us. He changes our want to. Now, don't immediately think, oh, this is going to be an instant thing, right? The moment you believe in Jesus by faith, you're not going to suddenly not have a desire to do things that hurt you. It's not going to be sudden. There is an instant salvation. You are instantly rescued and forgiven from sin. And you're on a life course toward eternal life. But you also still live in a physical body that's corrupted by sin. You still have a mind that's messed up by sin. You still have emotions and desires that are broken by sin. And so God's spirit is at work spreading through you to rescue you from the work of sin. And so when we pray, lead us not into temptation, what I'm really saying is, Holy Spirit in me, change my want to. Because right now my want to is I want the immediate instead of the ultimate, and I want now instead of later. Isn't that how we all work? And when you want what God wants, you, it shifts your thinking. So that I begin to think differently about what I want. I first understand that my desires have been corrupted. And I know that what God wants is best. I know what God wants by reading his word, by spending time with God in prayer, by submitting to his Holy Spirit. And so as I read his word, as I spend time in prayer, as I submit to his spirit, I ask God that he renews my wants with his wants and his desires. it's It's a starting point of saying, I know that my desires are corrupted and are always going to respond to the grunt calls that are out to destroy me. But when I want what God wants, and I begin to want what God wants, he begins to transform me. I said, be careful, because some of you are going to leave here thinking, well, this should happen instantly, and if I ever want to respond to a grunt call, then I'm not really following Jesus. No, you could be following Jesus, and there is still sin out to get you. You're still going to see bait, and sometimes you're going to still go after. All right, I'm going to talk about that in a moment. And so understand that there is a progressive process to God transforming your want to. But you have to start by wanting your want to to change. Some of you don't even want your want to to change. And so that's why Jesus taught us to pray, lead us not into temptation. You're saying, Heavenly Father, I know that I do not want what's best, and I trust that you know what's best for me, and you know what's good, and so help me to want what you want. At least can you start there. Then as you continue to pray that, he'll begin to change your want to. Okay, now let's talk about when you don't do what he wants you to do. How do you respond? One of the rules in my life, so this is just kind of like my guiding principles of life. My, one of my like, foundational principles is do what's right, no matter what. And when you don't, make it right quickly. You think that's a pretty good rule? Do what's right, and when you don't, make it right quickly. So how do you make it right quickly? When you hear the grunt call, and you respond, and it's humiliating, and embarrassing, and it's sinful, here's what you do, you repent before God. This is it. This isn't co- crazy complex. Father, forgive me. We just talked about that this past week. 
Forgive us our debts, even as we also have forgiven our debtors. So immediately, when I hear the grunt call, and I respond, and I bite the bait, and I get hooked, I said, Father, would you release me from the hook? Forgive me of my sins. Remove me from what I've done. Take that far from me. And I know that the moment I've, I've prayed and repented, truly repented, God has forgiven me. But don't stop there. Then you need to confess it. Confess to the person you've wronged or to someone that you deeply trust that will help you make it right. So you, you, you talk to someone. This is what I've done wrong. This, now, don't just tell anybody because, you know, people will talk. So you tell people you can trust, and then don't stop there. Tell someone who will hold you accountable, because some of the things you're talking about, those things, you're afraid? Good. You should be. You're probably not afraid enough, because I know what haunts you. Some of you, when you confess, you're going to be confessing to things that are destroying your life, and you need more than just to confess. You need accountability. You need someone to help you out of a lifestyle of destruction. So get accountability. All right. So... You're praying, God, help, my want, help your want to to become my want to. Lord, I trust that you know what's best, which means I'm going to begin to align my life with this thinking. God knows what's best. I don't. I'm going to trust that what God says is good is best for me and my ultimate good. I'm going to choose each time to choose the ultimate over the immediate and later rather than now, all right? Instant gratification is gonna get you into trouble almost every time. So we're gonna say, I want the ultimate rather than the immediate. Okay, and then there's one more part to this prayer. Jesus is teaching us praying. He says, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Jesus goes right for the... The big statement here, you're in, a, you're in the fight of your life. I know what's hunting you. It's not just in you and it's not just around you. There's an intelligent evil after you. And so he's saying, pray, God, you got to rescue me. There's an enemy out to destroy me. And so what's the point? This is a prayer of trust that the father fights for those who follow him. God, I'm going to follow you. And I know I know that on my own, if I'm just doing, if I'm following my desires, they're going to lead me right into a trap. They're going to lead me right into a pothole. I'm going to do my own thing and I'm going to get snared every time. I'm going to pursue a grunt call. But if I follow you, I know that you're going to fight for me. Look, if you're following God, even when you stray, he will rescue you. You repent, you confess, you get accountability. The Father will pull you up. He'll forgive you, he'll cleanse you. So when you fall seven times, stand eight. You are forgiven, you are healed, you are made new in Christ Jesus. You, your failures and your sins, they don't define you. The Father defines you. He says that he loves you, he chooses you, he calls you his own. So how does the Father fight for us? So I'm gonna give you a couple of thoughts. I have to be willing to yield to the Holy Spirit in me. Listen to me carefully. When we listen to the grunt call and we yield to our desires, we go after it. Think of yourself merging onto the highway. Some of you, you know, you never learned how to merge. You didn't know there was a yield sign. You just done it, boom, and you're in. You don't give anybody the right of way. If you're following the Father, He has the right of way in your life. The Holy Spirit is 
in the lead and you're following. So when I submit and I yield to the Holy Spirit, I am saying, Father, lead me. Guide my thinking, guide my emotions. So here's the deal. Listen to me carefully. Do not give in to every desire and every thought and every emotion. Just because you feel angry doesn't mean you have the right to act angry. Just because you feel mad or you feel sad or just because you feel greedy doesn't mean you should give in to that. Not every desire is a good desire. So you yield. Listen to me. That means I allow God's spirit to referee my thoughts. Referee, which means he blows the whistle on thoughts that get off. He referees my attitude, which means sometimes when I have a bad attitude or a, I, I'm, I'm just feeling something that I know isn't right, I've got to allow God's spirit to blow the whistle and stop me in my tracks. Allow God's spirit to referee your emotions, your thoughts. Because don't believe every feeling don't believe every attitude. Don't believe every thought in your mind. Sometimes it's bait. Sometimes it's just sin. Sometimes it's the world around you. And sometimes it's Satan himself trying to get you off. And then I want to give you one more challenge. Accurately identify your enemy. Here's what Jesus is saying when he's teaching us to pray. Deliver us from the evil one. What he's saying is, I've come to vanquish Satan. Satan is defeated on the cross and the empty tomb. He is a liar. He is defeated. Satan is the one that lost the war. In Christ, you have won. And in Christ, you have victory. So the only way you can be destroyed is if you let the enemy trick you into believing you are defeated. So you've got to come in and follow the Father and understand that he has given you victory in Jesus Christ, which means the moment you start believing anyone or anything else is the enemy, you've got to switch your thinking and accurately identify the enemy. By the way, if you're hearing me go raspy, I'm sorry. <clears throat> it was that grunt call. Um, I'm going to bring this in for a landing. Here it is. Listen to me carefully. Your kids are not the enemy. Your spouse, I know you think it, they're not the enemy. In fact, let me, can I give you a quick statistic about your spouse? Did you know, so I, I know the statistic gets thrown around, it's probably not entirely accurate, but 50% of marriages are gonna end in divorce, right? I know that it's, the, the statistic goes down for first marriage, but let's just 50%. Did you know that if you hold your spouse's hand and pray after sharing personal prayer requests, twice a week, the likelihood of your marriage ending divorce drops under 1%. Let me, so, so since you didn't see that coming, let me say it again. 50% marriages end in divorce. If you will hold your spouse's hand twice a week, not just twice a week, hold their hand, but twice a week, hold their hand in prayer after sharing personal prayer requests and pray together, the likelihood of your marriage ending divorce drops under 1%. Why? Because you've accurately identified that the enemy is a liar. You are not my enemy, and I love you, and I'm going to pray with you, and I'm going to support you. Okay. So some of you, the only thing you need to take away from this message is you need to go home, take your spouse's hand, pray together after sharing personal requests twice a week. Okay. Your, your boss 
boss isn't the enemy. The president, the Republicans, the Democrats are not your enemy. Government, a broken justice system, the broken economic system, it's not your enemy. You live in a broken world. There is a real enemy who is out to destroy us, but he's already lost. You resist the devil, submit to the Lord, understand that he already fought your battle and he continues to fight for you. Follow the Father who loves you and you have victory. You have victory today. And when you fall, you can stand up tomorrow and you have victory again. So I wanna, I wanna land this by simply just, I wanna get, allow you to pray. Would you do that? Here's the deal. Some of you, the very first prayer is to say, Jesus, I believe in you by faith. Thank you for fighting for me on the cross and giving me victory through your resurrection. I ask you to come in my life. Holy Spirit, I welcome you. I want your want-tos to become my want-tos. Some of you, you need to begin to follow the Father by asking him to transform your desires. And others of you, your prayer is simply to say, Father, I need you to fight for me. Would you take a moment right now on your own? And would you pray? Thank you for listening to audio from Lifehouse Church. We believe that through Christ, life change happens here. So we invite you to connect with us further by visiting lifehousechurch.org.